0: Oh, it is a Saturday night when we record this. This is pretty rare for us, Josh. But hey, you're back. This is good. If you guys have not yet listened to it, we did a 2024 baseball season preview on the last one with Mark Garland. If you are listening to this, you probably already listened to that. But go ahead and grab that one before you, for it's too late, because it's going to be five days away from Oregon State baseball season starting on Sunday. We're just five short days away from a very exciting season. And we also have some exciting stuff to talk about in this podcast. We're going to mention the Hannah Grace Family Project. And this is Josh and his in-laws, Jason and and Tara, and they started this foundation. And Josh, I'll let you kind of just take the reins
1: on this one and and let the people know what this foundation is all about. Well, first of all, we'd like to, to welcome Jason and Tara to the podcast. Thank you, guys, for taking time out of your busy schedule and hopping on.
2: Well, thank you for allowing us to come on here and be a part of your podcast. Thanks
3: for having
1: us. Yes. So for those that don't know, Jason and Tara Hood, they are the founders of Hannah Grace Family. It's a local nonprofit here in uh, Oregon City. Um, so if you guys don't mind just telling us exactly what, what is Hannah Grace Family?
2: <laughs> well, I'll let Jason go ahead and start off on this question.
3: Well, we're a nonprofit that deals a lot with kids who have been in different types of instability and trauma. Uh, some of them with ADHD, some coming from backgrounds of divorce, death of a parent, incarceration, foster kids—just all sorts of different things that that are often just kind of a, a harder background to have had to endure than than a, a lot of kids uh, end up going through, and. So we're really trying to, to do things that are that are loving on these kids and kind of helping them through that that background that they've been through and, and let them see that, that their life can still amount to something beautiful.
1: And you guys coming into this, you know I think Hannah Grace has always been something that you guys have wanted to start and we saw that kind of take fruition over here you know, the last few years, did you guys have any inspiration or were there any, any couples that helped kind of lead into Hannah Gray's
3: family? I think that having a family to support you and the strength of that family is sometimes something that goes overlooked by individuals in a family, uh, unless, unless that family doesn't really exist or. Or there's just been extenuating circumstances that have, that have caused that to take place. But I think that regardless of what background you've come from, when somebody really begins to invest in you and, and love you and they're not related to you, they're not paid to do it, it begins to, to cause you to have to question uh, if you've just had really low self-esteem and, and been through a lot, but all of a sudden there's someone just loving you like like no one has before and they're not related and they don't have to, they're not legally obligated, they're not paid, then then there's kind of a new paradigm that's being offered. And, and that person has to begin to question and there's a kind of weight of evidence that's building up. Uh, of new evidence that's staying this, this person's valuable, this person's important. And, and that's what we try to do in these people's lives. And, and we ourselves were the recipients of that with an old couple, as we were, as we were dating, um, in our late teens and, and getting married in our early twenties that, that just started loving us. We weren't related to them. They didn't have to, we actually asked them to be in our wedding. Um, and they were in their seventies and, uh, it It just changed the uh kind of the trajectory that we were on because of these people that didn't have to just investing in us and and we had to kind of come to that conclusion they must actually uh, think that we're important
0: so Josh wrote down music program. I am a musician myself. I live out here in Austin, Texas, and I play in a band. Um, music cool. has been a big part of my
3: childhood <laughs> as well what What is offered through the music program for this? Music is so so therapeutic in itself. Three years ago, when we started the program and kids still in the middle of COVID, we had second graders that we didn't really think about that we were having to, to really teach English and math so that they could understand and read music. Um, and since they hadn't been in the classroom, it became a, a necessity, but, but music just challenges the brain in so many ways and and it's therapeutic that you can do it you know all by yourself you can do it in a garage band playing with your church with your school in so many different ways and one of the ways that we've really kind of used it is just therapeutically a way of of kids taking little baby steps of uh, often these kids um don't even want to try something anymore because they have just felt like they have failed and not been as good as, as other kids, and they just kind of have a negative expectation of what the outcome is going to be. So as we're just kind of loving on them and investing in them, and they're coming out of their shell a little bit, the first thing is just this necessity of putting forth some effort and and trying, which gives them the possibility of failing, but they have to do that to begin to just have these little successes. And so we we love seeing those little successes and, and being a part of those. And these kids making these these little steps in gaining confidence that that starts off in the music, or really starts off with with volunteers loving on them and encouraging them, which helps them then make those steps um, in music also with guitar and keyboard specifically.
2: I was to say so we offer it uh, two days a week. We offer Wednesday. We offer keyboard uh, three classes back to back, and then we offer Thursdays guitar. Um, three classes back-to-back, and they actually get to come for an hour lesson. We offer snacks and um, parents or guardians because, you know, in the midst of our music program, we have kids that are on the spectrum that are ADHD. We have some in the foster care system. We have some that just financially can't afford the lessons, and so we have paid instructors in their group lessons and, and if they finish that year program, those brand new instruments are given to them. They, they get to take them home. And then they get to come back year wow. after year uh, for more lessons. And then they get extra, you know, gift, gifts to go with those instruments. And I think it isn't our third year guitar lessons. Um, our students, I mean, they actually get uh, electric guitars with amps and bags. And so, yeah, they, they definitely... Are very blessed because they're not toy instruments; they're very, very nice instruments.
3: So most of the kids don't come into the program with an instrument, but we check out these brand new instruments that we we have to pay thousands of dollars every year in investing in these instruments. We check them out to the to the kids and their and their families so they have something to practice with at home, and then they come weekly for for the the lessons. There's usually four to six, sometimes seven kids in a in a class. So there's some camaraderie that kind of builds up with, with the kids um, with with encouragement and, and spurring each other on. And for most of them, when they finish that first year, it's it's a big thing in that, that that instrument is probably the most valuable thing to them. And then they're automatically accepted into year two and three and four as long as they want to keep coming back and becoming better and better musicians and, and right, uh, right along, keeping in step. You know, we, we're seeing their their confidence um, and their their self esteem in, increasing in step with the music, and their willingness and ability to to step out in other areas of life also also where they just didn't feel like they had that capacity um, before.
2: Yeah,
0: that that is really awesome because I also work in out of school time with uh, after school programs with YMCA, and I'm around elementary school kids every single day, and whenever i have a child who is you know maybe interested in music or learning an instrument i always tell them get on it as early as possible while your brain's still developing right because i have friends who are you know in their late 20s now and they're like i think i want to learn how to play guitar and i keep on telling them you're not going to make it it's it's <laughs> not, not going to happen i started when i was 10 years old right so and i only had a one-on-one teacher i wonder what that kind of group setting would have been like i think that is really beneficial to a child to see, oh, he's doing it. I can do it too. Oh, she's doing that. I can do that too. And then they can feed off of each other. How yeah. amazing has that been to see kids grow and show a passion for music like that?
3: Well, and ones who've come with some of the kind of, maybe we could say worst stories and backgrounds are, are some of those who have thrived the most. Some of those coming with um, being on the autism spectrum and all of a sudden, this ability to, to really take that tunnel vision and focus it in the music and just begin to excel is, is something that that sometimes really causes us to giggle. Just seeing these kids come out of their shell and begin to thrive um, where where nobody had that expectation previously. So seeing them uh, come out of their shell and have these little successes, having a smile on their face, beginning to make eye contact with people, all, all of those things are a reward in themselves
2: well and you say little successes and they are little to us but they're huge to the kids um right. you know we have one uh, teenager who is 17 and one of the things he had got, gotten interviewed when we had a fundraiser back in in the fall but just was like for him it's the first time he ever had friends but someone who would make fun of him and you know because he's he does you know Goofy little things at times and and stuff, but no one laughs at him. No one makes fun of him. Everybody like encourages him and like high-fives him. You know, it just encourages him. And that we have another kid who he was an eighth grader when he started, and his his mom and him would drive two or not drive, they would ride the bus two hours to Oregon City and two hours back on the bus for an hour lesson. (laughs) But He was so shy, he just didn't really talk, he didn't really make eye contact, and he is so musically inclined, it's crazy, but he's also very athletic, but he never went out for any sports because of the the self-esteem issues that he had and just being so shy, but during the music program, he he started realizing how wonderfully gifted he was, and so he went out for track his eighth grade year and he ended up winning all of his matches for for track. He got first place in almost every single one. <laughs> and boy. then this year he's actually wrestling and track, but he's wrestling in high school this year and he's won almost every match. <laughs> so he's just really athletic, but it built his self-esteem and those are just a couple little stories I and mean, we have tons, but but those are huge huge success stories for those kids just you know the music is one thing, and we love that, and that's greatly encouraging. But just building their self esteem and just who they are as a person is is so so valuable um, to them, as you know, as kids, but as they grow up too, you know, as being an adult, that they will remember that, and that goes with them that that confidence and that self esteem being built up. So it's it's really it's really amazing, and it's not just the kids. We have adults that sit kind of on our other side of our little partition that we have, and they wait around for the kids. Some some just drop off, but most of them wait around. And and we have in we have some that are grandmas raising kids. We have some that are uh you know they could be aunts or they're they're you know they're their birth parents. It, there's a there's a variety of them. But one of my favorite stories, which I tell it a lot, but it's actually a grandma raising a granddaughter, her daughter had died. And it's a mom who her husband had passed away in a, an automobile accident. She has four children. And and they came, kind of came together and started being friends as they were talking and meeting each other. And the grandma had been there, you know, previously a year before. And she was like, you will just love it here. This is like my safe haven and it will be yours too. And I think that that is such a I just happened to overhear that, but that is such a wonderful blessing to them and to us to know that it's a safe place for kids to come and and for adults to come that they could come relax and just be you know just be who they are. They don't have to be fake or different or put on a show. If they're sad, they're sad. If they're happy, they're happy. You know. So I we really we really enjoy that part of it.
3: And we're trying to just be an extended family to to all of those who who are there and, uh, nobody can have too, too many healthy, encouraging family members that are are around and, and some are more lacking than others. And just the, just the ability, um, the heart of, of our volunteers to just want to love in that way and invest in that way and, and kind of bring, bring people into their lives because, you know, when you, when you start having a, a bunch of kids and families uh, around you, you can't help but begin to wear some of their hurts and needs, what they've been through, to wear them on your shoulder a little bit and, and be concerned about them. But but that's part of the success stories that take place also.
1: So uh, you guys, um, obviously, you guys are foster parents for those who don't know that are listening. And that was kind of a, a big inspiration for my wife and I getting into foster care was watching... Jason and Tara do what they do within the foster care, um, within foster care and just seeing the countless lives that they've touched and changed through the many years they've doing this kind of a two sided question here. How long have you guys been doing foster care and how has that helped you guys carry over into what you guys are offering at Hannah Grace? I think we were
3: foster parents for about 11 years Mm -hmm. and after just the first few kids that we work with, the little bit of interaction that we had to begin with, with the birth parents, it was easy to, to see that any prejudging that, that we may have done, and it's easy to do um, once you begin to, to know these people and you, and you begin to hear their stories and what they've been through. Uh, then it's a lot easier to begin to to see how much they're hurting and, and need to be loved, and and they're often just like you know twenty five year old children that are that are still hurting and and needing an extended family to to love on them. Many of us come from generations that kind of believe in pulling yourselves up by the by the bootstraps, but the more and more people that are in your corner and helping you out, it becomes easier to pull yourself up by the bootstraps when you know that there's a little bit of a cheering section helping you. So we had uh, all of the kids that we work with, like 15 or 16 kids that all ended up going back to their families. Um, they they had greater willpower. They started getting jobs, getting into housing, different, different things. And uh, some of them, you know, cases that, that seemed like lost causes to, to those who were who were working with them but but sometimes just somebody be beginning to believe in you and invest in you and they got to say you know why are these people just loving me for no apparent reason and and they start believing it after a while and all of a sudden the trajectory of where their life is is headed begins to change
2: yeah and i think that that we in the midst of doing the foster care you know they they did go back with their families they're you know after a while, there are some um, that did relapse or have some things that took place. But but the amazing thing for us was, and for them too, was that just that because we built that relationship and that that um, just that they, they became part of our family was that they were able to reach back out and we were able to help them again. And so that was a continuously always staying connected with them, and and we still are. And. I think it was all every single one of our families um, that we stay connected with them somehow or another, and and we love that part of it that we get to see the kids grow and and we go to birthday parties and get invited to different things, or they or they're invited to our house at any time for anything, and so that is that is something that kind of continues into the music program. Part of that is what we do um, of being able to be a part of the music program is that. We get to this love on those kids and they, they get to be a part of the family like that. We get to talk with them, we text them, we check in on how they're doing outside of the music program. We're we're communicating them with them outside of just that specific environment. And so that that we just continue to do what we do. Yes, we're not having children in our home, but but we're still staying connected with the families.
1: Yeah, and that's just that's just a super cool part. And I, I don't want to make this about myself. But it's, it's, it's cool just to see you guys be able to stay in touch with these families. And it's something that my wife and I have carried also to where we're, we're, you're able to build these relationships with these families that come in through the foster care system, or if it's through Hannah Gray's family. And it, it truly is like a family, like these, these guys, these families are friends and the people that we invite into your household. I know that's something you guys are very passionate about also, but Kind of turning turning the chapter on this is running a nonprofit like this isn't easy, and, and you guys are constantly on the front lines at the building. It seems like every single day. What, how is it that us as a community can help you guys run this nonprofit successfully?
2: <laughs> well, money is always and something up the forefront, right? Because you have to pay <laughs> pay lots of stuff, like just rent and things going on in um, buying equipment for the music program. And so money is always, you know, those, that's always a good thing, <laughs> but having volunteers um, that help help out within where we, we also offer, we don't just offer the music program, but we also host and oversee visitations for DHS. So it's birth parents visiting with their with their biological children that they have lost to the foster care system, it's the DHS system here in Oregon. And and so we allow them to be in rooms to be able to visit. And so sometimes it's DHS overseeing the visit, and then we also have the ability, Jason and I, to be able to oversee those visitations, which is really fun because we get to interact a lot with the families during that time. So having volunteers, getting certified and being able to host those, um, to oversee those, that's really important. What else do you think, Jason?
3: Well, the music system is is really kind of a byproduct of fostering, but then recognizing how many other you know situations leave families and kids in these in these really you know hard situations to come out of whether again divorce or death of a of a parent um a, a lot of things like that 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 are hard to hard to go through and and for us just trying to you know give them purpose and and, and belonging and often it it's a big setback to their finances, whatever they've gone through, and uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe a third to a half are usually using public transportation in some way, which which is one of the slowest things, you know, um, for for getting around in a in a metro area. So we're always trying to kind of find out the needs of of those that were that we're working with and we're trying to ask ourselves if they were really our own family, how would we want to love them? And it's not just meeting meeting, whatever the, the minimal need is, but if they were our family, we, we really want to provide for them. And that's what our music program is. And so we, we also have a, a handful of, of guys that are mechanics where when we have um, one of our families, it's having some car problems that will help out. We'll try to get um, the, the, the materials, um, the parts covered, and, and then they donate their time in, in getting a car running again. Um, one of the things that we haven't begun advertising for, but really looking for like an eight-passenger SUV, something like that, because uh, the ability for some of our volunteers to actually go in and pick up kids for the music program or a visitation or something like that. When a when a car is down, when a parent is working longer hours, different things like that, where where they want to be there, and there's the inability because of the the transportation issue, and we realize that we that we can't you know help out with every vehicle uh, for everybody, but but that's that's one bridge that we're that we're hoping to cross pretty soon, where where we can have uh, a vehicle. That that can be used for that and in insuring and um, the gas and and everything just to to help out with that stability more and more where where those that that want to be a part of things that that uh, we're trying to to remove those obstacles um, so that nothing's getting in the way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just going back to what Tara said to kind of start that you know money. A lot of this isn't possible without, you know, monthly donors, uh, you you guys receiving grants and stuff like that and and fundraising. And I heard through the grapevine you guys have a fundraiser coming up on March 9th that I may or may not be participating in at X-Golf in Towalton. Can you guys just talk to us real quick about what what that event is and kind of what you guys are looking for or needing in that event?
3: Fundraisers are are kind of for fun and for a greater interaction with people. So it's kind of an introduction to us. Um, every year, usually, we're, we're doing some type of banquet fundraiser, um, which is fun, an awful lot of effort that goes into it, and, and everybody likes food. Um, this one's at X-Golf, and there's a high percentage of people that like golf also. And X-Golf is these high-tech simulators 14 teams of three people each, uh, competing, uh, two groups against each other, um, in each of these, uh, simulated booths. And it's kind of an open concept X-Golf there in Tualatin. So it allows for a lot of interaction and maybe, maybe there'll be, uh, a little bit of jeering and, uh, gamesmanship going on. But, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. There'll be, you know, uh, awards for those with the best scores. There's raffles, one for for a $1,000 electric bike, another one for pizza for a year, once a week, a large two-topping pizza from Bellagio's Pizza, um, who, will, who will also be catering the event there. And there's also a, a raffle for um, golf lessons from Andy Morris, the club pro there. Um, at x golf who who by the way for the team who does the worst they will also be getting golf lessons (laughs) which seems only that's gonna be me i'm ready for it i'm ready for it. justice right
1: (laughs) 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 that's great uh and just you know, going after you know, kind of what's needed, you know, the goal is to raise right around forty thousand dollars, which is one-fourth the annual budget. So uh Jason and Tara, we thank you guys so much for hopping on and taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. If you guys, our listeners, are interested in finding out more information about Hannah Grace Family, please, you know, you guys can reach out to me on Twitter, um, DM me. But you guys can also find them at uh, HannahGrace.org is their website or on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Hannah Family. If you guys are interested in registering to golf, uh, be a golfer, sponsor a golfer, uh, or just make a general doona- donation towards this event, or just in general, you guys can go to the website and find it there, or it's at golf. Jason and Tara, thank you guys so much for coming on. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Rob, and thank you, Josh, so thank much. You. Thank you,
0: guys. You Have a great rest of your weekend. And once again, that's H-A-N-N-A-H, grace.org. <laughs> Hannah Grace family. That's some good information, folks. Uh, thank you guys for listening to that. A um, lot of great stuff, man, and it's it it's very touching, especially working with kids, myself and them touching uh, touching the lives of a lot of young men, young women. Especially with the music stuff, that stuff hits home, man. That's really cool. Josh, um, you're welcome. By the way, for the fifty bucks that I donated to your
1: cause, so I appreciate <laughs> you, bro. Shout out to Rob for hooking it up, and you know, I appreciate Rob. He does a lot for me and this podcast. So it's been it was awesome, and uh, I reached my goal. Thanks, thanks to Rob for his donation. Oh yeah, the my... goal was fifty bucks, <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we got it done. But no, Jason and Tara, for those that don't know, they're my in laws. They're some of the most humble awesome human beings you'll ever meet in your life and they've got this awesome nonprofit and uh called hannah grace family and stuff like that so if you guys are totally interested uh in golfing let me know i will be there shooting for lessons either way probably on the worst side of the lessons (laughs) because i'll need some lessons afterwards but uh i'm excited so if, if you guys have any questions don't You know, don't hesitate reaching out and it's for a great cause also, but, um, you want to know who could use some fundraising also, Rob? Oh, geez. Don't even, do you want me, do you want me to say it? Do do we want to,
0: I sat down tonight? Okay. (laughs) It is Saturday. when We record this. You're probably not going to listen to this on Super Bowl Sunday. That's understandable. (laughs) You might wait until Monday, but I sat down on Saturday night and I was doing nothing today. The weather in Texas today was horrible, raining all day. I got what I needed to make for my Super Bowl party. And I was like, oh, I can go home and watch the beeves. I turned it on, Josh, for five minutes.
1: <laughs> and That's I said, all you I, needed. That's I all can't needed.
0: do this. I can't do this. I'm turning this off. You just you know right away with this with this men's squad when the bad is out. And it's immediate tonight. And they're at home against Washington, who is terrible. And they got their doors blown off. They had a decent second half. They started the second half with like a 9-0 run. Shout out to my dad. He was at the game. Digital Dan was at the game. Handful of people who are at the game, and it's like, maybe y'all shouldn't go. You know, Maybe we should stop going to basketball games until they start taking this stuff seriously. Dude, It's just, uh, they're so bad. It's painful. They're so bad. It is just an embarrassment
1: to Oregon State basketball. And it's rich history. It's an embarrassment. We can't, we can't say we don't want to support them anymore, but here's the problem is it is absolutely brutal to sit down and watch some of these games. Now, granted, they somehow beat some teams along the way here, and teams that they definitely shouldn't have beat, yet they did because that's just how college basketball works sometimes. And the funny thing is, is I'm still scrolling through social media, and I don't know how, if you're seeing this, Rob, but... I'm scrolling through social media, and I'm still seeing people defend this man running this bat. I don't even want to say running this basketball team because I'll tell you right now, he's not coaching this basketball team. And Wayne, he's kind of just standing on the sideline, dude. Yeah, bro, stop defending this guy. Like, he needs to go, and it needs like help, please. Yeah, and this is one. I won't say his name.
0: One gentleman on X say did it. say, "Well, since Ralph Miller, I mean, he has the same first name as our head coach. <laughs> since Ralph Miller, Coach Anderson was seventy-nine and ninety. He made one tournament with Ralph Miller's players and Gary Payton, obviously. Then it was Jimmy Payne, fifty-two and eighty-eight. That's horrible. I mean, Anderson really set the foundation. Anderson was the recruiter for Miller, and Miller was the coach. Okay, once Miller retired, Anderson had to become a coach, and he just couldn't do it." And then Payne came in horrible. Richie McKay, horrible. He's had some good teams at other places, but horrible with Oregon State. 22 and 37. He brought the five out offense to Oregon State, and it was just horrendous. Jay John had some promise to start, 72 and 97 as a head coach at Oregon State. This gentleman also includes coach Kevin Mouton, who took over that 0 and 18 conference team. He went 1 and 13 as a coach at Oregon State. Craig Robinson, also some decent early expectation some some nice projection for him to start his tenure at Oregon State but he finished 94-105 and, and then he finally gets to Tinkle 127 and 158 with two tournament appearances he says good luck finding someone who wants to coach and does better i have a rebuttal for you sir <laughs> and i mentioned it on x mr coach Kyle Smith at Washington State University remember when Washington State had Ernie Kent and when they hired him, people were like, ooh, that could be a sneaky, decent hire because, you know, Ernie Kent had a very good run at the University of Oregon as their head coach. Wrong. And <laughs> he, was, he was there for a long time. He, Ernie Kent is a very solid basketball coach. He got to Wazoo, didn't really get off the ground too much. He's still respected out there, but it's, just, it's hard in Pullman, man. It's, it's hard to get basketball players, especially post-Clay Thompson era. Like They couldn't really get a lot of guys there. They thought their fan base was like, if Ernie can't get it done, I mean, who's going to be able to coach at Washington State? And they find this guy with the most basic name in the world, Kyle Smith, and he's going to win Pac-12 Coach of the Year this year. They're in second place currently. They swept the Oregon schools, and they're looking good. Utah tonight lost to Arizona State at home. Utah, that's a horrendous weekend for them, and they lose that three-overtime game to Arizona, which they have to win that game at home. I mean, Oregon State beat Arizona and, and Guild Coliseum. Come on, boys. What are we doing? <laughs> but then they lose to Arizona State, which is a, a really bad loss. Arizona State is not a very good team. So Utah's tournament chances are difficult. Colorado is kind of hanging on the boat. Arizona and I think Washington State are the two teams that are in the boat. For sure, mm-hmm. they make a the tournament without yeah. winning the conference tournament. So that's how bad the Pac-12 this is here, man. And – Last time you and I had a podcast together, we went over player ratings, and a lot has changed. Josiah Lake is still the best player on Oregon State's team. He's <laughs> a 60. Okay, Michael retires a 64. This is according to Evan Meyer again. Um, worse than Bronny James is Jordan Pope. Wow. Yeah, it's it's weird, man, because like when you watch Oregon State play basketball, you're like, Jordan Pope's easily the best player on the team. Just eye test. hands oh, down. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, and you're like, this guy, he's, he clearly can score it. When he's when he's hot, he's hot. But when he's not scoring, like I mentioned on the last podcast, he, he doesn't do anything for you. He's a negative defensive player, and it shows. And I don't think he's going to be here next season. I think he he jumps in that portal and, and hops out of here, kind of like Glenn Taylor did. So I don't know, man. Wayne Tinkle has four more wins to get to 300. And then I think he wants to retire after that. He just doesn't look – dude, the pregame, they're doing, like, the camera panning, like, watching people walk up the gill steps into the arena. And then they show Wayne, who's on the (laughs) sideline. He's got his arms crossed. He's just got this dead look on his face. Like, he doesn't want to be there. And I'm just – my first thought was, like, just retire, man. Like, it's clearly – this isn't working. This is not going anywhere. Do everyone a favor and just say, you know what? I'm going to call it a career. He may not get that 300th win, but just no, not hey, gonna happen. I, you know, he had a great run with that elite eight squad. He also had a pretty decent run making the tournament with the GP two and trace tinkle team. They just ran into some injuries and got bounced by VCU in the first round. He had two good seasons with Oregon state hang your hat on that and let's just call it. Okay. Before things get extremely ugly, if you coach in the next season,
1: it's, it's not getting any better. I don't, I don't know what to tell anybody. So what you're telling me with all this information that you just dropped on me and for our listeners is that I can look forward to Oregon State making the tournament this year. In women's basketball, sure. No, oh, okay, and that's what I like to talk about, yeah. those women, cuz they are yeah, good. They're
0: real good. Big time win against Utah and they on just the road bro. suffocated them. I mean, my lord. You thought the Beavers were about like scoring the ball this year? But no, they 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 hunker down on defense against a really good Utah team, especially at home, and they get a dub, something that Wayne Tinkle has just has no idea how to do to leave Gill Coliseum and win. And Ruick does it continuously. And I mentioned it last week that that this stretch for the women is huge, and they started off with a W, and that's momentum going into Colorado. Obviously, different story. That's going to be a much more difficult task. Tough,
1: tough game. But
0: I mean if they can compete against anybody in this conference and they've already proven that. And we kind of had that feeling before the season even started. And then when they got into the non-conference games, that they can probably have a shot. So we'll <laughs> see, man. It's uh they tip off at what? 11 AM for you. 11. Yeah. It's yeah 11. So it's one o'clock for me. I mean, that's a good one to tune into. It's on Pac- Pac-12 Network if you guys are listening on Sunday morning, which you could potentially be doing. The Super Bowl doesn't start until three thirty for y'all, so, um, yeah, man, it's 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 that time of the year where you're looking at both basketball squads and Ruick's got a great team. They're going to make a, a a nice run into their into their March dreams, and you're looking at the men and you're thinking this this cannot end fast enough, and baseball cannot get here sooner, and We're very excited for baseball. We we both mentioned it last week. You, I mean, you gave me your notes to mention, but you seem you you seem excited. Yeah, Yeah, you seem. I was excited. Yeah, you seem very excited. So, and and that's and it's true, man. This this team's going to be pretty solid. I see a lot of people still again this week picking us to make Omaha. So that's um, it's it's
1: big expectations. This is one of those things. Are they like I talked about it? I, I I didn't talk about it. You talked about it for me, but and then I tweeted. It's like. Are they gonna be able to fulfill the shoes that they're given right now? Because right now all roads lead to Omaha. And with Mitch coming in with this team, this this team has got the capability of going out and making some noise, you know, very early on in the season. And they got a nice stretch of games to open the year to to you know make some noise. So I we're both very excited for baseball. It really can't come soon enough. And you know, just bouncing real bouncing back real quick to, to Scott and the girls team. Man, that that team's awesome. And I I don't – it's hard for me to understand in this conference like why – and it's been many years of Wayne Tinkle not being able to win on the road, by the way, why he can't do it. Like why – I just don't get it. And you see Scott go out and do it. We saw – we see the football team do it a little bit also. I don't know if it's just an Oregon State thing. Maybe it, that's just the vibe I'm getting yeah, right it's now. A, it's, it's a good point, man. We
0: struggle on the road in – two of our key men's sports. And I, I don't know if it's because they just don't like to travel. Leaving Corvallis is hard. You have a comfort there, and it's just weird going somewhere else. But I don't know, man. There's definitely something there with going on the road in sports in college. It's hard for sure, but if you want to be a good team, you have to go and do it and win. It's part of your schedule. You know you're going to have to play road games. What? What's? What is so – I think – Honestly, some guys thrive off of that stuff. Why don't we see any of that? when you go on the road and you play better because everybody hates you in that arena, especially student sections who are
1: just chirping at you all day. Yeah, yeah it was really it's, funny. We joked about this before on this podcast. I mainly have. But I had somebody ask me the other day if I thought the women's basketball team could beat the boys. And I, with 100% confidence, said yes. And I really do mean, <laughs> I really do mean that with no disrespect. Now, if there's somebody listening that could make this happen, and if it's just for Rob and I to come watch we don't have to say anything to anybody because this, this girl's team is very dominant and I promise you Reagan beers would destroy every single man on that team.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think the, the formula against the men is pretty easy. Just whenever leave Casey and Beckway open, so he can receive a pass and then hack him, and then make him go to the line because that dude is just a walking brick. He is laying the foundation at that free throw line. He cannot make a free throw. It it's painful to watch him shoot it. It's he has an uncomfortable flow to it, uncomfortable stroke, and it's bad. It's so bad. And then like Shaul Mariel comes in, and he's just this big, long, slender man, gangly, unathletic dude. And then they they try to bring in Hayes. Sometimes he's not any good. And then they, they Billado doesn't get enough run. It feels like with the ball. It's just
1: bad, dude. Um, They don't like playing with pace. They don't like playing with rhythm. Like it's just—it's horrible. It's It's awful.
0: It's bad watch. It's really tough to watch. A lot of college basketball in general is as hard to watch. Unless you're like a true hooper and like you really appreciate like trying to watch sets if you're like a coach and like just trying to watch teams run press. That's part of the game for sure. But I mean, college basketball as a whole is just is just really hard to watch. But hey, on a on a more positive note. Oregon State 2024 football commits, we had the national signing day. Mm-hmm. Remember, we had the early signing early. day, yeah. and now we have the national one. The Beavers signed three more players. Receiver Malachi Durant, uh, although another receiver, Eddie, I think it's Freif, Freyoff. Um, that's
1: going to have to learn that one. Say,
0: yeah. Also, offensive lineman Jaden Tua. So good good little group of High school commits coming in. Um, obviously, the Beavers never really rank all that high in recruiting for straight-up high school guys. But, I mean, you look at some of the talent that they're bringing in, uh, according to 247, like Jordan Anderson, was an early signing day kind of guy, he is enrolled. He is rated an 89, so he's a borderline four-star. And then you have Corner, Exodus, Ayers, he's an 88, so he's almost a four-star as well. And then, like I just mentioned, Malachi Durant, who just signed his letter of intent, he is an 89, So he's also a borderline four-star receiver. So you have some guys coming in who are young, raw, going to get coached up, and what Oregon State does really well, it doesn't matter pretty much since Riley, in between Riley and then the Anderson staff and then even the Smith staff, they always took three stars and developed them Mm. pretty well. Uh, I think Riley gave them a much higher ceiling. His coaching staff did a much better job, especially at receiver with Coach Brennan. Coach Brennan coaching like Cooks. Wheaton, all those guys, man. He he made them even better than what they were. And I think we're going to get the same thing with this new staff. I think they're very developmentally strong. I think this is a good coaching staff to have because they're used to being in situations where they have to develop anyway, and we're going to see it. Like Coach DeVan, uh, being at Charlotte, he is very much used to taking – you know, two star talent and making it the very developing, good.
1: Developing, yeah,
0: yeah. So developing really does matter at Oregon State, and I think we're going to see that once again. Um, man, Trent Bray just keeps on saying the right things as well. Uh, he's he's a man among the people, man, and he's truly a Beaver. They're selling his shirt in the OSU Beaver store. <laughs> Beautiful, so absolutely. Everybody, everybody's in, man. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting spring balls coming up really soon. Everything just kind of comes at you fast especially in the springtime with baseball and then spring football comes along but i don't put too much into spring ball it's just guys getting their feet wet you know learning a new system especially now with coach gunderson calling the shots so gonna be gonna be a fun off season getting ready for this football season in 2024 but still a long way to go still got a great baseball season ahead of us josh man it's it's been a minute since we've spoken, but, uh, it was, it's good to hear your voice, man. And I'm glad you guys are listening, even though it's football off season, we appreciate the hell out of you for doing that. Um, you got anything else, man? I think we can kind of get out of here quick.
1: Yeah, no, dude, it was good chatting with you. I appreciate you know you doing this, and Jason and Tara again coming on. Appreciate you guys. Um, I'm excited. We're we like six, seven ish months away from football, and baseball is just a few days away. So, mm-hmm. I I'm excited, man. We got some something to look forward to in baseball, and you know football coming up, and I think this coaching staff is. Like these players coming in, they're going to be hungry, man, and I'm excited to see what they do with you know spring football and then roll around into the regular season. So I think there's 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 a lot to look forward to here with Oregon State Athletics over the next couple months. So
0: without a doubt, man, Oregon State sports is not dying. As much as these other fan bases want to be like you're irrelevant, learn Mountain West, learn WCC, they don't understand, they don't get it. Especially these Cal fans, dude, they're these these cow fans on X have just been spurting out of nowhere, just talking all this nonsense. It's just like it's hilarious. They don't understand the situation, and they're happy it's not them because I don't think other schools could be this strong, this resilient to get through this to get through this kind of adversity. And 100%. to have a guy like Trent Bray is 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 huge. Um, Chip Kelly, by the way, lost. Uh, he he left his UCLA head coaching job. <laughs> he lost it for <laughs> this. Yeah, he, he he. I mean, they wanted him gone. It felt like <laughs> he leaves a head coaching job in the Big Ten for an offensive coordinator role in the Big Ten. Does that tell you how bad it is at UCLA? I it's mean, real
1: bad. he's about bad. to get paid then, too.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And then you look at you I mean, you look at Arizona. They lose York to Washington. You look at Washington losing everyone. I think. I think Jed's going to do um, – did I say Jed York? I'm thinking about the name. <laughs> Jed Fish. Jed Fish. I think Jed's going to do fine at Washington. He's got a lot of work to do in his first year, but the portal is is your friend in these kind of situations. I think Coach Brennan at Arizona is a sneaky, sneaky hire. A lot of people not really talking about it. No one really giving a crap about oh, Coach Brennan, he was at San Jose State. You know, his record wasn't that good. But people don't understand, man. San Jose State is a, an extremely hard place to win mm. at. It's a commuter school. No one lives there. Yeah. If you live there, you don't live on campus. It's just it's it's a crazy what he did at San Jose State. I think with Arizona with those resources, man, and like there's rumors that oh he's he's had a second interview with UCLA. No. He's he's going to be an Arizona head coach, and I think he's a good football coach. So that's going to be interesting in the Big 12 for them because they also have some talent to replace. But you see, with this conference realignment, it caused this massive coaching carousel, and I think the biggest loser out of all of this situation with the Washington job coming open at one point and the UCLA job coming open at one point is our former quarterback, Jonathan Smith, Going too fast to Michigan State. I don't think he, he is a good fit there. I have never felt he was a good fit there. If he just waited a little bit longer for that Washington job, could have had that one. If he waited even longer, he could have the UCLA job. So that's probably the last thing I'll ever say about Coach <laughs> Smith on this podcast. I am tired of talking about him. I'm tired of hearing about him. He's a scumbag. He's a snake. And forever, he is never welcome back by me, to Corvallis. You cannot come back, buddy. I don't care what you did in 2000. You ruined it. You can't come back. You did that. You did it. Not me. You. You chose that. So, that's
1: the last time. That's it. Stamp it. It's done. I'm that's not it. talking about it Bye. Anymore. Later. <laughs> and it's crazy, too. Like <laughs> When you think about it, like, Jed Fish came out the other day and said he's gonna have the number one recruiting class. Dude, pump your brakes a little bit. That's not that's not how it works, homie. I'm sorry. And like, let's be honest, there's only one big loser in all in all of this, and it's the Oregon ducks. I don't know why, but they just they're the losers in this. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. I hate I hate to break it to you, man, but the ducks are gonna be nasty next year. For no, they're I losers. They're gonna suck. They're gonna I hate they're, to say it. They're gonna be the last so so conference. A lot of good dudes. They're gonna be real good, and they're gonna make a run yeah. for that Natty. If so. they
0: finish below Indiana in the Big Ten, bro, I mean, come on, bro. All right, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they will be just fine. And Dylan is gonna be slinging it for them. He's he's, mm. he's a hell of a quarterback, man. They're, they're gonna be scary. Them. I hope. I hope to be. I hope they're not gelling when they come to research because i need the beaves to be gelling but this is where it's difficult with that early season matchup with them is because oregon's gonna have you know they don't have to replace coding staff they don't have to replace a ton of talent they replace bonex with dylan gabriel oh darn you know it's probably an upgrade honestly so like they're gonna be fine you need yeah you need to you need to think is oregon state gonna be gelling by that time early on in the season we typically historically I just doesn't matter who's been coached. We just haven't been playing our best best ball early in the season yet. So we see. We shall see, man. That's gonna be a big one. September Civil War. Gonna be very <laughs> odd. And it we're still seven months away from that one. Dang. So but that's uh that's really all I got, man. What do you think? Uh Niners or Chiefs tomorrow. Give me the 49ers. I agree, man. I have I have some bets. I'm you know, I am a gambling man. I have about sixty, seventy bucks just Hey, spread out throughout this game so I got some stuff going on we got like a 22 lists 22 amount of prop this is I awarded this so badly Are you okay there's 22 <laughs> yeah I'm, I think I'm having a stroke <laughs> there's 22 props on a sheet and we're doing it with like 15 people winner gets everyone Venmo's the winner ten dollars so some of it has like Taylor Swift stuff some of it's like is Jason Kelsey gonna take a shirt off like so we're gonna have some fun tomorrow it's Super Bowl Sunday last football game of the 2023 2024 season so it is officially over and the worst part of it all is there's not a beaver on either team so you can choose freely who you want to who you want to root for in this game yeah it's, a, it's officially golf season after tomorrow so yeah it's officially i'm watching the bees play baseball on weekends and i am uh working on music other than that so that's that's my off season So hope, right. enjo- hope you guys enjoy it <laughs> we'll uh we'll we'll be back like I mentioned, we'll be back sparingly. We'll we'll try our best to to get episodes in. We'll try to get a guest on to talk about the baseball team, and uh, maybe we have some good news with women's basketball as well. So, um, oh, into close softball. They had a uh, they went down to Florida, and I believe they beat South Florida yep. earlier today. They also um, did they play them twice? I
1: think that did they. They lost uh, to Florida, didn't they? Hand, hand up. They lost
0: down. to Florida one nothing. Yeah. 1-0. Hand up. I, I knew that. And they beat somebody else like nine to one. So they're off to a pretty solid start down there yeah, in South Florida. That's a tough game. Florida's a good program every year. It feels like they're always in Oklahoma City at the women's college world series. So that's that's good to see them battling early in the season against a very good program. Just one nothing. That's you'll take that loss early on in the season. When it's time to come back to Corvallis and have home games, just just kill everybody in this conference and Find your way in turn me. Let's know. go. This is, uh, we're we're a baseball and softball school. Mm. Everyone knows it, dude. Everyone knows it.
1: Yeah, dude. Freaking let's go, all baby. Right, man. Go Beavs.
0: That's that's all it. That's all I got. Uh I can't speak anymore, so <laughs> I guess I'm just gonna wrap it up. <laughs> so go beeves. Thank you guys for listening. Hannah Check it out. Donate if you can. Don't donate to Josh. He already won. So <laughs> I've
1: won nothing yet. Donate to me. <laughs>
0: Well, you're not gonna win on the golf course. Maybe you'll get some lessons. Passed. That's what I need. I need some dang lessons. Yeah, you go for the
1: highest score in golfing, right?
0: Yeah, you want to play more golf, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. You're supposed to well, no, you're suppo- you're you're not supposed to find your ball in the woods? I thought that was the point of the game.
1: <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's, I'm usually playing out of the woods most of the time, so I'm finding lots oh. of golf balls. <laughs> That's what all those pixelated pictures of
0: Bigfoot are. It's you in the woods trying to find your ball. Hundred percent. I'm finding. I'm hitting whatever ball I find first. And yeah, I was hitting a Wilson, but I'm gonna hit this Titleist. Some nice Nike I just found. <laughs> it's a range ball. That one. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank awesome. you for listening. Have a great week.
3: It is baseball season. Hallelujah.